Hey, Brian Rathbone here, and this is the fourth episode of the Herald and News Sports Podcast. Today, Steve Matthews and I, we change it up a bit. Instead of going over the top athletes of the area, as we have in the previous three episodes, today we're discussing the top teams from the area. This was a really fun conversation, a lot of teams mentioned, and I hope you enjoy it. Anyway, here is Steve and my conversation on the top teams from the Klamath Basin. All right, Steve, it's uh, Tuesday afternoon, so we're back in the uh, back in the studio recording another podcast. How are you doing this week? Right now, I'm tired. I did a lot of errands today. Yeah, well, it's it's going to be a hot week coming up. How, what's, what's the best way to beat the heat in Klamath Falls? Uh, the, well, the best, I, you know what, I, I, it, here's the thing I love about out here is at night it gets to down into the 40s so you can sleep. That is you know, true. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, remember, I moved here from Minnesota and South Dakota where if it's 98 degrees, it's 97% humidity, and it's that way at 10 o'clock at night and you can't sleep. So that's not a problem. Not but, a problem. Well, that's uh, – You know, so that's so it really isn't an issue. And um, just be smart, you know, make sure – just make sure you keep yourself hydrated, and after that, you know, whatever. All right, well, good to know. Being my uh, first first summer in in Klamath Falls, well, the best thing is we don't have massive amounts of smoke, which at this time last year was forcing postponements and cancellations of uh, Legion baseball games, Jim's baseball games, not only here but also in Medford, and so we don't have that massive amount of smoke that we had all last that we had last year. So it's a lot more bearable. <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's knock on wood that 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 continues yeah, for so the, we hope. the, we the hope. back half of the summer. We certainly do. But we're not here to talk about the weather. We're here to talk about the, the best teams to come from, you know, the Klamath Basin, this area. We posted a question a couple weeks ago, and so we're going to go over. We'll call we'll call these teams the hits, the the ones that the that the readers, the people that follow us on Facebook, they're the these are the teams that they that mentioned. They responded to. Yeah, th- these were the seven that drew the, mo- the most attention or what whatnot or mentioned the most time so we'll go over those ones and then as we go in then we'll tangent off a little bit go we'll go off some of the key, key, key yeah, tangents yeah go maybe di- maybe some different teams different eras maybe teams that are have been forgotten but we got these seven teams and then maybe at the end we'll throw in some uh, an, an, some additional teams that are worth noting but maybe didn't, and I, you know when when I looked didn't at the get list, received the yeah. amount of attention and and when I looked at the list, basically it's kind of, ironically, athletic. You know, as far as athletes, I mean, I mean, it's like uh, Danny hasn't been in high school for thirty some thirty five years. Um, Mike Kicks, I mean, there's some you know on some of those, but most of the teams um, are really the recent teams, and I kind of expected that because I don't think, you know, we've got a vast majority of our people, and it's a typical thing. I mean, it's like we remember recent, we don't remember beyond that and that's and, and and to be honest that's one reason why the Oregon Sports Awards it used to be a calendar year well by the time we got to December and all the voting people were remembering everything everything from the fall and, and the first early basketball forgetting all the things that happened in the spring now because they're going with the with the school year it's much easier to keep track of and do things fall sports winter I mean so um, that you know it's not surprising yeah well to be fair, a lot of 90s teams, fa- fairly recent, all within my <coughs> lifetime. And most of them, have, and all these have been since you've been 
on staff here, so you'll have a good wealth of knowledge of these teams. Um, so these seven, they're in no particular order. They're, these are just the order That's that the I wrote. That's the best way to do it. That I wrote them down. This isn't a ranking or anything. So the first team that we're going to talk about is the 1993 Mazama Softball. All right, 4A state champs when 4A was the highest division in Oregon. Okay, to win a state softball title, and we've had a few, not 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 that many, but we've had some. First of all, you have to have a great pitcher. That's and true. they had a left-hander named Mike and Miller. But I think what makes that team so really special is the travails they had to go through in the state playoffs. Mm-hmm. They never played a game at home because they finished like third in the league. Road Warriors. Well, what would happen is, is, is I remember one time, and we had enough staffing where we pulled this off, so it was kind of a neat thing. But we had a situation with that team where they were supposed to play West Lynn in the second round or the semi—was it might have been the semifinals. So they go to so they go up there. Well, all of a sudden, can't play because of the rain. So the next day, they're going to move the game to the Dalles. Game gets rained out again. Well, they, the OSAA and, and the schools decided. So then they were going to go back. Where were they going to go from there? Then they had an, maybe Madras. Couldn't play because of rain. So it was like they were So they were in the Portland area for like five days before they actually finally got to play at West Lynn mm-hmm. and win. So then they go to the final site, which was uh, Wallace Marine Park in Salem. First day they're supposed to play, get rained out. And Henley was, Henley was up there. And, that, and at that time... The West Ham game had to be in the quarters because at that time you played the semis and the finals at the final site. Mm-hmm. And Hanley was up there and got beat in the semifinals that year. And so they were, I mean, literally those kids, that whole team was literally on the road. I mean, they were, I mean, literally in the Portland area living up there in hotel rooms, motel rooms for like nine or ten days in a row. You know, well, the, the weather's hard. You can't practice. At that time, there were not a lot of indoor places where you could go in and practice like there are now. Turf fields probably weren't there were, a, nor- a norm like they are now. There was no such thing as a turf field. <laughs> and I think that, to me, what made that team really is – and they were – I mean, and they had, they had a lot of great players. I mean, I'm thinking Amy Wood Amy Wood, and uh, Amy Beeson. Um, God, I didn't – did Nikki Beach play on that group? But like say, Mike and Miller – they just had a, you know, they had a talented pitcher with a lot of other talent, and probably, probably, I think it'd be fair to say, and and I haven't seen Rick, Rick Anderson, the coach who still lives in town, I haven't seen Rick in a while, but I think that team really pulled together because of all the time they'd be on the road. I mean, they had, mm-hmm. I mean, they literally would study in the breakfast room at the hotel. I mean, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I mean. Um, I think that's what made that team really unique. Is not only were they good and they beat a bunch of big schools to you know, um, and they played in you know, and I and I want to say three of the eight quarterfinalists were from the Southern Oregon Conference at that time, mm-hmm. and so I mean it was like it was a great league, and I think they just kind of pulled together just because of some of the situations that they were in, but they were good. You know, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up that they came together because. So, so on as a Newport, their their soccer team had a very kind of similar thing. They didn't have to deal with obviously the rain or stain multiple times, but when they won the state title in twenty, it was twenty eighteen. They had to take long bus rides 
to win the state title. They had to on the road each and every week. And I think there's some truth to that because when when you're at home and you're playing, it, it, it's sometimes easy to kind of get caught up in like the school life or whatnot. Well, but you get on that bus and you're and you're having to take these long four plus hour drives. That's the advantage of having the home game is that you're is you are in a normal, usual routine, whether it be Monday through Friday or Saturday. You're in a basic, normal routine. Now, when you're doing all this traveling and all these things, all of a sudden something, you know, and, and it's going to it's gonna rip you apart. It's going to pull you together. And I think that was, um, and I, th- but that, you know, and I think the fact you had Mike and Miller, I um, have no idea where she went, but great left-handed pitcher and, and um, some other pretty good players, and, and they were good. So they didn't li- win the league title that year. Who was in the league and who, do you remember who won the league that year? It I sounds like Henley was... No, they were in different leagues at oh, that time. That was Southern league. Oregon. Kenley was in the 3A skyline, um, and they, which they won. I want to say um, I want to say North Medford won the league, the Southern Oregon Conference. And I want to say Crater was second, and and uh, Mazama was third. And those are the three. Those were in the traditional powers. And then since then, uh, North Medford and Crater continue to be really great softball programs. Mazama's been pretty good too because they've had some. They haven't won a championship, but they've had some really really good teams and and have made the quarterfinals a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, it's a quarterfinal team that's nothing to snuff at. Um, so we'll move on. We'll stay We'll stay in the same sport. We'll stay in softball, but we'll go over to Henley. 2017 Henley softball. I believe it's their only state title. They've been to the championship game. They, no, they won one in the late 80s. I, I, that, 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 I think you're correct there. But I'm not going to But question. to do what that team did, and I don't care. 30-0, and 0, I, we, we should mention. That's Didn't lose. the key. Yeah, 30-0. You know, teams just with the amount of travel, especially once you get into the playoffs, but I mean, even with the amount of travel, um, and there's a lot of tenuousness in the schedule because obviously in the league at that point, you know, you have hidden the North Valley and the Grants Pass in the Grants Pass area along with Phoenix, but there's a lot more rain, so you're having rain outs, so you may have games that are postponed today. Mm-hmm. And, and the mental up and down of trying to stay focused when you are prepared to play and have to and get and get rained out to come back. So to, to go unbeaten is absolutely insane. And I think the other part of it is is when you look at some of the is um, you had uh, Lily Poe pitching. Yep. Who's going to play at Oregon Tech? You had um, McKenna Armantrout, who was the catcher, and she's one and uh, she played third base most of the year for OIT this last year. Yeah, that finished seventh in the nation. You had Tara Motes, who was a three-time All-American at Oregon Tech. So I mean, all of a sudden, you know, you start picking off some of these names. You're going, "Whoa, yeah. they had some talent. They had kids who were, you know, that were, that were above-average players." Mm-hmm. And I, th- and uh, Kayla Mick was might have been in that group too. And she's going yeah, to well, she's I mean, she's a four-year starter at shortstop. So I mean, all of a sudden, some of a sudden, you're talking four. Uh, college level caliber players at um, a good college at a, a good, good at a, in a good program yeah so you're talking um that's a pretty good start and yeah. and i think you know um 
just to go unbeaten in any sport, you know, anymore is is, a, is obviously football where you only where you're only going to play nine or ten or eleven games is mm -hmm. one thing, but once you start playing basketball, once you start playing softball, and you're playing uh, 30, 35, 40 games. The more games you play, the greater the odds are you're going to get beat. So what they did was was uh, a phenomenal co accomplishment. Yeah, I mean that was one of the things, you know, Bobby Mick, you know, as you know, Henley was making their run to a state title. You know, ultimately they came up a game short, fin finished second. It's just like you know, this game just you don't win this many games. You have to you come in each day with a mindset to work better. Well, you okay, and and I think. Well, I, and the other factor is they had a coach who'd been with that program for a few years, so the kids, went, you know, so all the players when they come in have an idea of what to expect, and they start off because of that. They prob and with the players they had, they start off at a higher level mm -hmm. than you do with a team that does that's not very talented. So I mean, uh, you know, yeah, the stars kind of aligned, I mean, it, and it really is. And I think, you know, and and um, I'm going to allude to a football coach real quick. Okay. Somebody I know that I got to know really well, in Bud Grant with the Minnesota Vikings. People always knock Bud Grant because they never won the Super Bowl. Bud Grant's Bud Grant's uh, response was, "Do you know how many big games we had just to get to the Super Bowl? We had to win division championships. We had to win X number of playoff games every year." Um, it's hard to win Super Bowls. <laughs> you know, I mean, to win to win the ultimate championship, you got to have a whole lot of things going your way. And but you got to win a lot of big big games to get there, mm -hmm. and I think the more you do, the you know, you at least understand the mindset. And I think that's where the Henley girls, with that particular team in the last three four years, have been where um, they have they've been there they've been on there often even though they haven't won it, you know they've won a lot of huge games and they're play and they've played in the state finals several times so. They know how to. They know how to prepare and how to win the big ones. And 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 once you get to that level, when you're mm -hmm. a state championship game, you got two teams that are equally capable of winning. So, um, yeah. Even you know their their game against Legrand this year, yeah. they were they were hit away. I mean, they had yeah. bases loaded late in the game and you know. middle of their lineup up, and they just and it fra happened. fraction of it, an inch off the bat. I mean. Could yeah, you're talking. You're talking. You're talking. A sixteenth of an inch of location on bat on ball makes a difference between them winning a state championship and not. So, um, a lot of. But just to get there is a phenomenal uh, is a phenomenal thing, and then to go thirty to go unbeaten, crazy. So during that thirty and zero run, <coughs> were they pushed at all? Were there any games that were just like, even in the their playoff run, where there's like, oh man, this this could go either way. Well, they were kind of pushed this. This year, they're pushed this year a little bit. Um, I think the one thing that, and one of the things that, the, that a lot of baseball and softball coaches in this area do, do, and they do it well, is they'll have some early season games that get rained out or snowed out or whatever <laughs> it is. Well, they'll hold those games sometimes, and Bobby Mick has been very good at this. Uh, Timmy Cleland was very good at this. Um, They'll play those. What they'll do is upper level. What they'll do is they'll start playing Ashland. They'll start playing North Medford. They'll start playing Crater. Uh, they'll start playing, playing a couple of the Ben teams to fill in the skit, you know, to fill in what open dates they still have. So in preparation, they're playing good teams as well as within as before they even get into the playoffs. And then they get into the playoffs, and 
Um, they've had, you know, they've, they've had they've had enough competition where they know that they can win. Yeah, I, just, I remember, you know, this year they I think they ended their their season with like the number one six A team, you know, one of the top two ranked five A teams, and then and they do and they do a lot <coughs> I think of the top three A team. Well, and and the thing is, and, and when you and when you do that, you take Creator, which is which is one of the better five A schools. Yeah, that was. That's to th it's you know it's not only to Henley's advantage but to him it's to Crater's advantage to play somebody good too because mm -hmm. you know they could pick any I mean just because of location they can pick up teams a lot easier but by doing what those what these guys do they prepare each help prepare each other mm -hmm. for that run so uh, you know there I mean um, and there's always going to be one or two games within within the run that, that where you get pushed I mean without having the actual scores or whatever but yeah, there's always going to be a couple runs in there where you, you're going to get pushed. I mean, you can't. I mean, there's just too many good. There's just too many good players anymore, and and, and with all the camps and all the different things going on, um, all the pitching coaches and all the different things, there's too many good. There's too many players out there. To think you can just kind of walk through it. Yeah. And because of that, I mean, it's a it's a testament to the program to continuing to be to one stay of at the that level. Yep. Stay at this level where they're playing for state titles year in and year out. Yep, totally. Thirty zero, quite impressive. All right, so let's move on. This one isn't a specific year, but this I think this team might have shown up the most. But the Mazama football in the Vic Lease era. So before we we go off in different directions, five years, five league titles two trips to the quarterfinals and two trips to the semifinals before that they didn't have and you know the years it leading up to been that it had been a while there, there hadn't been any of that what have you noticed okay. that well okay first of all first of all and i don't care what league you're in at what level you're in um to win a league championship five years in a row in the same sport is crazy yeah i mean there's just too many variables because some one school is going to come along with, with with a player who shows up as a transfer from the Bay or from San Francisco or whatever, and all of a sudden transform a team. So to win a league championship five years in a row in any sport at any level is pretty phenomenal run. Okay, it tells you then that they've excuse me <coughs> tells you always that obviously um, what Vic brought into the program was just a renewed energy that that Mazama hadn't had for a long time. Um, How so? Well, there's just an excitement and enthusiasm. He brought in he brought in a little more wide open offense. Uh, he just did a lot of little things where where the, you know where the, where all the players were a little more in tune to rather than the um, Ohio State three yards and a cloud of dust type of concept, which um, was fairly common at Mazama for many, many years. And um, to do it, so, I mean, so yeah, I mean, it's, you have to, you know, you really have to look at that. And I think, I can only think of one football team at Mazama, and that was that 1992 team that went eight and three mm -hmm. and lost to, lost to eventual state champion Jesuit at a time when the Southern Oregon Conference 
was the premier for you. I mean, that's when you'd have it was nothing unusual to have three teams from that league playing in the semifinals, mm-hmm. you know. And so for what they did that year to go on, um, they had to go to Portland even to open the playoffs. So, and ironically, several of the there are five or six. I don't think five or six. I'm going to say probably four players off of that '92 team that are coaching with Vic Lease right now. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think I mean just. And it's really difficult to compare eras because that team just was a, you know, knock down, drag them out. They were the three yards in a cloud of three dust. Three yards in the, you know, and, and, you know, so you're really talking two kind of different eras. You're talking two different kinds of philosophies. Is one better than the other? I don't know. You know, I think the other part of, of, of this recent run is also the fact that um, not only to win five in a row is pretty phenomenal on your end, but surprisingly, you, know, you would think some, there's going to be some school. Uh, they haven't been pushed very hard in the league for five years. They may have lost it. I think they lost one. They lost a league game. They actually tied. For, one of those was a three-way tie, but they had the tiebreaker. Okay. But to dominate like that is just is is crazy, especially you know because North because I mean traditionally Hidden Valley and North Valley and Phoenix have had some pretty good athletic programs. So who know you know along with Henley and KU. So yeah, I mean that's a pretty phenomenal run. So it's it's one thing, you know, for a coach to come in and bring a renewed sense of excitement or whatnot. There has to be some athletes, you know, to. to play on the field that, well, I that think need to be able to play so does, does there's something that Mazama does where they have were they able to was, was there a good crop of athletes in the school at the time when well, Vic the, Lees was it just kind of a well the, and, the right combination well, to take off combination it was a combination of things I think the other thing and, and I think and I don't mean to belittle any of the schools that have won league championships and all that but the the schools in the area the public schools all have um, what they call open policy so it's not unusual for the better football players to end up at Mazama and Henley. The better basketball players to end up at Henley. Just that are baseball players, Henley, Mazama. Some, you know, um, particularly among the three bigger schools. You don't have that as much in the smaller schools because of the travel involved. But so not only was there an involved, but you know, you know how many of those kids. How many of those? How many of those guys played on a couple of those teams? Actually, probably should have been at KU or Henley. Don't know, but I mean, you have to have. You have to have, first of all. You have to have a coach with who ignites the enthusiasm and 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 has kids motivated to want to perform well. You have to have a coach who really trusts his staff and works with his staff. And and the one thing I've noticed in over over all my years is young people see right through that. If you're blowing smoke, they got it figured out real quick. So if you don't trust your coaches, if you say if you know if you get if you have a defensive line coach and you don't trust what he's doing, the the, the, the guys figure that out real quick. So I mean, there's you know there's a, there's an element there. Then you got other players, and there's got to be a trust factor among the players. And then I think, and, and the other part of it is, is you have to have the right players. Um, 
so what you know and I think we alluded to that early one of our earlier podcasts is that what you have going on is a scenario where um, at the high school level um, sometimes you have to play um, an individual out of position mm-hmm. just because to make your program work you have to do that it's much more common in basketball than it is the other sports and it is and, and you see that a lot in soccer too you have a kid out of position um, and when he goes to college you can tell the kid has the potential to be a good college player but he goes to college and the coaches switch him to a more natural position to go wow I didn't think he was that good well no it's because when he was in high school he had to play a position so mm-hmm. so there's you know there's a whole ratchet of, of concepts and ideas and things that take place to make all that happen you know obviously obviously the head coach has to make things happen um, his assistant coaches have to be able to be in there and instruct and teach the things that the head coach wants shared on the field uh, the players have to learn how to develop um, trust in each other and I think you know and, and, and where that comes into play especially in football is with place kicking because high school place kickers aren't very big well the last couple of years Mazama's place kicker also happened to be a s- female soccer player Vic Lisa's daughter yeah but the kids trust you know I mean her first couple games you know her first her first couple of practices and the first couple of games she's nailing her kicks well guess what they trust her hey big factor now all of a sudden if you know that the kid can kick the ball deep enough to get a field goal those offensive linemen block better I mean it's there's a whole lot of you know it's just a whole lot of mental and physical and emotional things that are all tied together but to win five in a row and I don't care what sport it is and what league it is um, I can only think I, can, I can't think of very many teams that have ever done that now um, it's not a team sport per se but the Henley girls won like 30 consecutive Skyland Conference track and field championships 30? 30. 30 or 30. Some ludicrous number. But to do those things, but to do those things, um, it takes that whole combination of things. And, and, and yeah, what, I mean, um, I would say there's probably nothing um, that might inhibit Mazama winning the sixth in a row. Now, I know that a couple of those were shared, but it, nonetheless, you got to be sure of the championship. Yeah. And if I'm putting a championship banner up in my gym, I'm sure not putting up co-champion. I'm putting <laughs> up championship, you know? I mean, as yeah. well I should. <laughs> I mean, I don't have a co-champion shirt, even though we were co-champs. It says champion. Yeah. <laughs> got got to take those tiebreakers. Yeah, you know. All right, so we've covered softball. Two softball teams, actually. Football, let's get into volleyball. Henley, 91 to 93. So here, here's the information that some, someone sent me. Over three years, they went 120 and zero. That's just in three seasons. And won two state titles. Uh, the, the, the math doesn't add, add, add up there. Well, the math doesn't add up completely because there actually was a stretch where they won like 140 or 145 regular season matches in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a three-year stretch when, um, and and 
where it was Henley and Henley and Lakeview, both three A's. Lakeview was in a three A school, and Daryl Bender was the head coach over at Lakeview. This is a bizarre story on him. I mean, his his main job was to design floats for the Pasadena Tournament of Roses, and he was an award-winning float designer. I mean, it's crazy. But you had you had a three-year stretch where Henley won. Henley beat Lakeview in the championship game one year. Come back a year later, Lakeview beats Henley in the championship game, and you come back the third year, and Henley beats Lakeview. But Henley won several other state championships. Henley had a run in there that would be a run like that. I mean, you're and you're talking here, uh, not league championships, but you're talking a run of just being, and and Henley consistently would play the good at that time good 4A teams as well. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of years there where KU and Mazama had some pretty good teams too. So I mean, you had some. Um, will we ever see a run like that again? I doubt it, at least at that level. Now, to go with that, I think it's really important, is is you basically have the big three in volleyball right now. You have Henley, at, you have Bonanza at the 2A with Donna Romptweet, and then you have uh, Hosanna Christian 1A with Sue Thompson. And Henley and Hosanna's just as likely to beat Henley, as you know. I mean, the three of them are beat, beating up on each other all the time, and they are consistently winning league championships and coming home with state trophies. What that group of Henley kids did in the early '90s—I'm going to say about '90 90 to '96 or '97—I mean, it was, a, it was a huge run. Um, many league, probably I, they might have won 10 or 11 league titles as well, but. What that team did, I don't know that. Um, I don't know that all that most of us will ever see something of that nature again. That I mean, that was just uh, um, it was it, it was just an amazing thing, and and it wasn't you know, and I don't know that. I don't know that I would say that. How do you, how do you word this comfortably? They may not have been the best team. But they believed they were, and they believed in themselves so much that they beat people that they shouldn't have, and that's where that success was. So I'm think, you're talking about a seven or eight year run that, you know, um, it at one of the highest levels of, of volleyball in the state of Oregon. So, yeah. will we see that again? We could, but pro- but highly unlikely. I mean, and here's the reason why it's going to be even more difficult. If this, because uh, they're playing forty matches a, a season, so you can you can go one hundred and twenty in you know in a, th- in a three year span. If you're to do that now, it would take at oh. least five, and then you have to go through an, an entire <coughs> an entire class, and that's just that'd be difficult to sustain. So I guess one of the questions I have is, why did they stop playing that many volleyball games in a season? Um, OSAA rules. OSAA rules. Well, yeah, well, I'm I sure mean, they did. But I mean, and, and, do you and know you the reason you know, behind that? There was a stretch, there, there was a period, and volleyball was a huge part of it because one of the big issues in Oregon is club volleyball. Mm-hmm. And in the Portland area, the club teams were being coached by the high schools, by the high school coaches. And so to kind of take a situation and 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 force the high school coaches out of the out of year round coaching 
they put in, instituted some rules. And I remember writing a column and indicating, and 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 the rules. And part of it is, is so, so the rules changed a little bit. But I said, I said, you know, when you live in Portland, when you live in Eugene, uh, even Medford, where you live in, in in some larger metropolitan areas, some areas with a lot more population, the odds of you having people with those kind of backgrounds to work with these kids in club teams. It's fairly high. Go out to Lakeview. Go to Paisley. Go out to Crane, which has had some pretty good, pretty good volleyball teams. Um, how do you do that with those? Because there aren't the people in some of these communities with that background, other than the high school coaches. So they kind of had to revamp the rules and and, and change some things. But um, so the way they did that was limiting the number of uh, number of tournaments you could be in, because in a tournament you might play eight times in a day. So all of a sudden you're not playing 40, 50 matches a day. I season you down to th you know, and so a whole combination of rules and all kinds of different things have kind of channeled that a little bit. And um, so, yeah, I mean, there were some situations, and, and I mean, everything was everything was totally aboard, uh, you know, uh, up, you know, fair game. But it is just difficult um, to do that again, just because the rules have been stricture have been restructured to a point where. You try to do things, and and one thing about the one thing about the schools the, the schools around here is they've the coaches have done a really nice job of trying to have people in the community involved with the with the non school programs, which they've been able to do somewhat successfully here. I mean, I can think of three or four different people that work with programs that are pretty you know that were Division One volleyball players, but go to Lakeview. Where are those people at? They don't exist. And it's nothing against a community or, or an area. Go out to Crane. You know, and I mean, I mean um, you know, to institute some of those other rules, you're really, you're, you're not trying to bring the talent pool closer together, you're widening it. And the goal is, and the goal has been, to bring the talent pool together, which makes some of these things much more difficult to do. You're probably, your, your reasoning is much better than mine. I'd say, how can, the, how can people be diving on the floor for 40 games? Because of all, of all the sports I've covered, I wince more at volleyball games. Just the screeching on the court, the, the floor burns. The, oh, just absolutely. Oh, absolutely. 40 is way too, too, way too much, just if, like, you know, 18 you know, NFL games is too much. Well, but I mean, it's like, but it's just a whole lot of factors. I mean, yeah. you know, and I don't think any one of these things is, and I don't care what sport it is and what situation it is, um, unlike, unlike cross-country, wrestling, track, golf, 
where one individual comes in and has that much talent that they can take over. Um, will we see another Craig Ronnie in Klamath Falls? Maybe, but maybe not. And then as a golfer, you know, mm-hmm. um, will we see the Cullum sisters again? I don't know, but I mean, they can pull that off because you know, I mean, um, the sprinter that was at Mazama this year, uh, Ben Carrington. Ben, you know, Carrington. Um, they can do those things because it's a different game. But you put it together in a team sport, and it's just much more difficult to do. And, and the rules and the way things have done things pulled that together to kind of pull the talent potentials closer together so now you have more competitive situations. Yeah. Well, in any case, 120 and 0, 100 plus regular season wins in a row. That's well, I think the, and that's a uh, UConn women's basketball well, right there. Is, that's and, that's and dominance. Well, I think the other part of it is when you're talking you're talking Vic Lisa's thing at, at in football. You're talking Chuck Shannon. How many Chuck Shannons show up? You know, in in, in places in places like Klamath Falls. How many Brad Smiths show up at at Oregon City? How many um, Genos show up at UConn? You know, how many Mike how many Mike Chishevskis are there? How many Danny Mileses are there? Not, not, many. not that many, you know. And that's what you. So you also had somebody who, um, Chuck Shannon was just somebody, who really didn't come out of a volleyball background and just worked his fanny off to learn the game and to learn how. And the biggest thing he did is was to um, focus the girls on learn some basic skills and then we'll go from there and they just kind of develop so yeah will we see that again i don't know if i'll see it in my lifetime you may but uh <laughs> <laughs> well we'll find out so move on so we i mean we just kind of talked about how individual you know sports like track or field or wrestling we, we have a couple of those on deck we'll start with the 2011 henley wrestling team that won the state title wrestling's um, say your your forte. Okay. Wrestling is an is a, is a num- like football is a numbers game. Okay. Um, in the forties, Klamath Union was the state power, probably the, one of, probably the Northwest power in wrestling. Um, Henley's been pretty good. Mazama had a couple years where they were ridiculously good. The key, the key in winning a state wrestling championship is you've got to have two or three kids who are going to win state titles. And then but, just fill but out you, the bracket. But you've got to have seven or eight or nine more wrestlers who are, who are placing, mm-hmm. which means they're winning, and not only winning matches to place, but they're getting pins and technical falls, so they're scoring the bonus points. And Henley had that core of kids that did that. Um, in that group... Um, you had the the Bresser brothers, Ronnie's yep. an All American at Oregon State. Okay, um, you had um, oh, a couple other brothers, a couple sets of cousins, um, and they all worked together, and they worked year round at that that doing, and so it was kind of there again. It was the right combination of people together at the same time doing all the great things together at a time. And I'm sitting here going, <coughs> um, I'm looking at, um, you know, 
Bonanza had has had some has had some tremendous wrestlers. They had one of the you know um, uh, Jason Harless, three-time state champion. He's the head coach at Glencoe High School right now. He was an All-American at Oregon, two or three-time All-American at Oregon, and but they didn't have the numbers to fill out to be able to to win a state championship. That Henley wrestling team, like the ones like the ones from KU in the '40s, had uh, would have six, seven, eight place winners. Well, that's what you got to have. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and, and it's the same thing, um, same thing in track and field. You got to have you got to have a couple state champions scoring the big points, but you got to have a lot of other a lot of other individuals in the two through eights, and that's where you win the championship. And Hanley happened, I think. If I'd go back, I'd have to go back and check, but I want to say Henley might have had, they might have had eight or nine place winners that year. I mean, some phenomenal number. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, it's interesting they brought because in 2012 they were you know the runner up and they had six individual state titles. Was that just a case that they just didn't have the? They didn't have the rest of them. They didn't have the rest of them. The t- top heavy team. Yeah, you know, and to win it, you got to have. Um, and I, you know, and Phoenix, Phoenix uh, was in the skyline with Mazam and, uh, and Henley for years, was always coming home with state trophies. And they might have one or two state champions, but they'd have eight place winners. And a lot of them were thirds and fourths. Well, that's, and, you know, so they're scoring a lot of wins. And they're scoring a lot of victories by fall and by technical fall and major decisions. So they're getting all the bonus points. So you got to, I mean, there's just, so to pull off what they did, yeah, it's pretty tough. All right, so let's let's move on. Now we'll go to 2015, 2016. We'll stay stay at the Henley the Henley Complex, Henley Track and Field, back to back state titles. I'm trying to think of something. They had a couple great hurdlers to win a state to win a state track. You know, and and they probably won some more. They probably I, they think they won, they they won a couple. Ku won a couple. Uh, Mazama won one. Um, Ron Smith, who was a head coach at that time, that was his last couple of years, won a couple of state titles at Lost River in girls track. Um, there again, it's a numbers game. You have a lot, with the exception of the 1992 Mazama track and field, boys track and field team, where two guys won the state championship. They beat Benson Tech and all those big schools and all. But, mm-hmm. it, but in, normally, to win a state track and field championship, you have to have a, you have to have at least two, maybe three good sprinters, which means you're going to score points in the 100, you're going to score points in the 200, you're going to score points in the 400 and the 4x1. You might have a couple of good middle-distance runners and a couple long, but then you got to have a couple hurdlers, a couple throwers. Um, at that particular time those years, Henley had some really good pole vaulters. Um, the Clark brothers. You're yeah, talking, you know, there's you know several... People that wanted to, you know, comp- compete in track collegiately. <clears throat> so, you had a lot, of, yeah, uh, you know, and and um, the other part then is to make sure that when you win or finish second or third in a race, the team, the the, pl- the athletes you're beating are the teams that have a chance to beat you in the team race that you finish ahead of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Um, you gotta have a lot of good athletes. I mean, it's it's a numbers game. You just have a lot of people, and they have to beat. They have to perform very well, particularly the state, the state, uh, you know, in the, in the state meet. And then they also have to beat 
in a lot of individual events, individuals from the other schools who are capable, you know. So let's let's say, you know, let's um, Seth Andrus, for example, good hurdler. Well, let's say he wins. Let's say he wins 110 high hurdles. What you're going to hope for is that one of the teams that's potentially going to give you a chase, they finish fourth. Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden now you're adding a four or five point, and you do that over enough events, all of a sudden you open up a little bit of a gap so you can win. Um, and the scoring system makes it makes it a little more challenging that way. Yeah, track's a fascinating sport to me because even even this year at the 4A1, you know, the two teams that won, Newport and then, you know, Mazama that finished second, very small teams like well it comes down you gotta have you gotta have a couple of sprinters you flat gotta have some sprinters mazama had that and mazama had that okay you're talking the 100 the 200 the 400 by doing that you're talking the four by one relay well your best long jumpers triple jumpers are going to be sprinters um your best hurdlers are going to have some sprinting speed Especially, you know, especially the 300 intermediates, which is a little, it's a little bit, you know, it's kind of a race. So now, so you're talking, you got to have a lot of, you got to have some sprint, you got to have people that can sprint. Mm -hmm. Then you hope you can throw in a couple of vaulters, high jump, pole vault, couple throwers, shot, discus, javelin, and and pick up some points in a lot of area. I mean. Um, but that's just not how that I the mean, state tournament just, unfolded. It was like I mean that's the way it has. That's the way it's going to unfold. It, it, that, but that wasn't <coughs> how it unfolded this year. It was like very, very concentrated in areas. And that's and that's then, not a new. And then like maybe a, a point or two in a couple here. other places. That's what makes that the Mazama's first state championship team, which was boys track and field, so phenomenal, because you had Travis Olson and um, who's now the athletic director up at Linfield. And then um, Chris Nelson. Well, between them, um, they finished first and second in the high jump. They finished first and second in the pole in the uh, javelin. Um, between them, they won. Between them, they won four events and placed second in three others. Two guys don't win state championships. But that happened to be that case. So what's phenomenal about a couple of those Henley teams is they scored points in just a lot of events. Yeah. And they've had a couple, you know. And I think there, again, it comes back down to having staffing where um, Henley, had, Henley had, had a guy who was a pretty good pole ball coach. They've had a couple of them. Um, they had a good throws coach. They've had a couple of them. Um, got a hurdles coach and the hurdles are crazy i mean you know so you have people and some you know and you have a distance coach so now you have people working with all these different areas of a track meet and i think um and that's what makes covering track meets really difficult is you have what 14 15 events and it's like how do you pick the mvp out of all this stuff so for what they did i mean it was it was you know it was, they had they had a lot of uh, talent and a lot of and scored a lot of points and that's what you got to do for the most part there will always be exceptions and i think that's true of everything there's always an exception but for the most part what those teams had they had some sprinters they had some hurdlers they had a couple throwers 
a um, couple jumpers. Alrighty. So what we're going to do right here is I'm going to throw out a school and we'll, we'll keep these, you know, pr pretty quick. Short, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just move through them pretty quickly. I'm going to throw out a school and you, you can say like who the best team you think or the first team that kind of comes into mind okay. with, with the school and <clears throat> with each school. So we'll start, we'll start with Klamath Union. Boys soccer, 2000, 2001. 2000, 2001. They, only, they, they lost twice, both times to eventual state champion Jesuit, once in the semis at Jesuit, once in the finals at uh, Wilsonville. But they also had some pretty good. But the other part of KU I would go is baseball. Baseball. And their 1990 baseball team was really talented. I think they had six guys that either that either played professionally or college baseball. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> and of course, those those are back when there's only the four divisions. Four classes. Yep. Klamath Falls is playing what would essentially be six A. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Back then. Yep. So. Yep. Even though it might not be title teams, <clears throat> the wins night battle will be there. You sometimes got to look at the what what the lay of the land is uh, competitively. Yep. Um, we've talked a lot. About Mazama and Henley, and any teams that I think we'll start with Mazama. Let's go to Mazama. We got to we got to mention the girls basketball teams in the early nineties. The the Tara Harrington, the Tara Harrington, Amy Wood, uh, Mickey Veach, um, Amy Beeson era, Wendy Olson. Um, they finished. Did they make it to the finals? No, I think they I think they lost in the semis once and the quarters twice. Both times to uh, Oregon City, which, you know, and, and those those Mazama teams, and that's going to be, to me, the best teams Mazama's ever had. Their girls basketball teams in those years were invited to go back to New York to play in the, uh, and you know, back to New York a couple times to play in the uh, um, Christ the King tournament, mm -hmm. which is like one of these, it bigger than the Nike tournament that Portland has. The uh, Les Schwab invite, yeah. and you just so you don't get invited to those unless you're pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Henley, a lot of baseball titles haven't. They weren't on the list. It's Henley baseball. Is there something else with Henley that comes to mind when you think great teams besides besides the ones that we've already mentioned? Well, you got. I mean, well, yeah, you got. You have all the Henley baseball. I mean, you have Dale Huck one two, uh, Joe Tacchini one two, Timmy one four five. Um, and they won some before that. Then you're talking um, early 90s. Their boys' soccer program was one of the pre and, and was one of the premier programs in, in the state of Oregon. Um, what else at hand? I mean, there again, you're talking the volleyball. You're talking track and field. You're talking cross country. Um, I think in K, you got you got mentioned when we go back to Klamath Union. Um, their cross country for a few years was really 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 good i mean they won two or three state titles or trophies mm -hmm. so um a lot of sports all right we'll go lost river <sighs> baseball and football baseball and football baseball and football although they had a couple of great wrestlers um but football and baseball they have over the years always been when you start the football season in their league you're always putting lost river as don't rule them out. Mm -hmm. 
because they're pretty good. And they got a shot. This is all just always there at the end. Mm-hmm. Just got got to go through them, even if they're down year. You're going to go through them. Yep, yep. totally. All right. And any any specific year? I know that I think they won state title a couple times. Nineteen ninety seven was that one of the years? Yeah, yeah, the late nineties. They had a couple years there where they were in. Um, there again, as a small school, and that's the difference in a small school as opposed to one of the bigger schools, is you can get by. You know, if you have five really great athletes, you're going to do really well. And they had, mm-hmm. oh, I mean, they had they had uh, Rod Josh McCollum. They had. Um, Jimmy Gordon, um, the Zaka brothers. Um, I know I'm missing a couple. Um, I can visualize <laughs> really nice player, but they had a lot of you know they had they had some really they had a lot of good kids together at one time. All right, we'll go up to to Bonanza. Boy, that's been an up. Um, they've had a couple years where in football they were tremendous. They made the state finals one year. Uh, girls basketball was especially good. Um, their boys basketball was very good when Mike when Mike Nayrot, who ended up playing at OIT, played for them. Uh, their softball program and baseball programs have been pretty good. And then volleyball is there. You know, if you have to pick one, volleyball is their dominant program. Is their dominant program? All right, we'll come back. Into Klamath Falls, and we'll go Triad. Well, when they had Luke, when they had Luke, Jake, and Gabe Avgar, they were pretty good in everything. Um, but they had some other good kids. Um, well, they had that one year where they placed, where they won trophies in football, basketball, and track and field. Um, their football program has been probably collectively, if you had to name one sport at Triad, it was it was football. Mm-hmm. I mean, above all the rest of them. The others, have, they've had some good years, but but football was a, it was a key sport to try at. All right, we'll go to the other the other Christian Christian school. We'll go Ho- Hosanna. Hosanna. Uh, without question, volleyball. Without question. Without question. They've had some good boys teams in basketball. They've had some good girls teams in basketball. Tony Bush had an incredible run, but uh, what Hosanna has done in volleyball with Sue Thompson, phenomenal. I mean. I mean, um, there have been years where Hosanna has beaten Hanley in volleyball. That's how good they were. But so when I talk Hosanna, that's without question. All right. Number one. Volleyball. All right, let's go up to, to Shiloquin. <sighs> Such a unique situation just because of all the scenarios up there. Been a hit and miss kind of thing for Chiloquin. You know, they had a couple years where they had a couple of decent football teams. They had a couple of years where they were decent in girls basketball. Um, they had a nice run of softball back in the mid ninety, mid to late nineties. Um, they had um, Carol Royal was a coach, and her Brenda Royal was pitcher, and Sis Taylor was a catcher, and Sis Taylor ended up playing at OIT and. Um, where I knew Sis Taylor was a great, great athlete is the fact that um, Danny Miles helped coach the softball team, and he allowed her to call pitches. <laughs> you know, they—I mean—that's something. 
long before, I mean, and it still doesn't happen very often at the college level where, where they allow the catcher to call pitches, but um, Sis did that. So, boy, I mean, when I when I think about it, probably softball, because they've used, even in the last few years, they've even had some good teams. So I'd say softball, probably the premier pro sport up there. All right, and they'll finish off with, uh, with Lakeview. Boy, um, volleyball. Yeah, sounds like th- that volleyball um, run. Track and field. I mean, Bobby Steninger, the, who's probably going into her 54th or 50, 55th year. She's been coaching track and field and distance running at Bena- over Lakeview more years than I've been writing, <laughs> which is off, unheard of. I mean, they've had some. They had. They've had a few good. They've had some good baseball teams. They've had some good volleyball teams. They've had some. They've had a few good football teams. Um, that is surprisingly well surprisingly better season probably than they were expecting 20 seed all the way to the yeah. semifinals well, and and that's what happens when you get hot at the right time but um but collectively if i've got to put sports together um i'd say track and field over there and they've had some track and field athletes who were oh jimmy watts um if he hadn't gotten hurt i think might have been uh, might have been in the conversation of great U.S. decathletes. Um, he had that much potential. Um, the most recent one is Alex Conley, who came, with, who's up at OIT now, and was six inches short of, as a freshman, of winning the winning the NA jav, women's javelin title. Uh, but they've had a lot of other kids. But um, volleyball for that little stretch in the early '90s. Um, odds in other sport, you know, basketball. They've had some times, but. Collectively, you just got to go with track and field out of Lakeview. Collectively, track and field. I mean, we hit all the we hit all the high school sports, or well, we hit hit the hit the high school pretty hard. What about Oregon Tech? Well, that, let me. I think we need to throw okay. in what, we need to throw in Paisley. Paisley, because they've had some pretty good teams. Um, in fact, they had a football player that played for the Ducks out of Paisley, and every you know, if you know where Paisley is, because you've been there. Um, Grady, o, Grady O'Connor, who's now the head track and field coach at Lane Community College. Uh, North Lakes has had a great athlete in Kendra. Uh, what was Kendra? Oh boy, <laughs> she plays basketball now at Northwest Christian. Um, Gilchrist has had a, had some pretty good athletes. Um, and then you go down Butte Valley's had uh, you know the last couple of years they've had a couple of basketball teams that this last year was the first time in 40 years that Butte Valley won the league championship unbeaten. So they had some pretty good kids. Tule Lake has had some years. Um, Johnny Luscombe from Tule Lake placed second in the entire state of California in wrestling at his weight class. I mean, can you ma- can you mention some kid from one of those huge high schools in San Diego or or, or Los Angeles or any of those areas going Tule Lake? <laughs> really? Where's that? I mean, he spent more time. Johnny, I, I've, I got to. He spent more time trying to explain to him where Tule Lake was. Than his matches. Than his <laughs> matches, and then of course, then you got you know, and then you had then you had Big Valley in there, and they've had some you know they had a kid who was an All American decathlete come out of there. He's coaching their tag teams now. Um, the the football coach at um, Idaho and uh, Colorado, Hawk Dan Hawkins, is from is from Big Valley. Okay, and still got a lot of family down there, so they've had some kids, and then Modoc. Um, what Sean Wood has done with wrestling and uh, and football down there when no longer coaching football, but I mean they won all kinds of championships and they've been pretty good at basket at at, uh, at baseball and then 
uh, Modoc won the entire Division Five basketball championship for the entire state of California one year with a gal who went on to play for six years in the WNBA. Okay. You know, so um, a lot of the small schools have produced some pretty good kids. Yeah, sounds like it. Now we can go to OIT. Now we can go to OIT. Steve, which team do you think <coughs> stands above the rest of the OIT teams since you've, well, since you've been here before you got here? I mean, men's basketball's. I mean, huge. Softball's pretty good, though. Softball's got three or four top seven, fin- top six, seven finishes. Basketball's got uh, three titles, a second place, two seconds, a third. They've had some pretty good track athletes. Um, some of the other sports have the challenge of having to. The biggest problem with with OIT is, in, and, and that whole conference is, is, once you're on top, the key, you know, is staying on top. Once to get into that top level, in soccer and volleyball and and baseball, God, baseball is brutal. I mean, the baseball league has the University of British Columbia, which is the largest. Which is the largest college in Canada? I mean, they have half the Canadian Olympic team playing for them. Lewis Clark State, which has won who knows how many NAIA baseball World Series titles. College of Idaho. Um, so getting into those spots is a big deal for those guys. But but men's basketball clearly, I mean, clearly yet. I mean, I mean, yeah, Danny winning winning the thousand and forty games. I mean, he's one of the winners, but. To me, the greatest thing about Oregon Tech is, is not only the wins, but the fact that um, for the last seven years, they've almost every every team they field has three has three or better team GPAs. They've led the nation a couple times, and so their women's basketball team one couple years ago led, had the highest GPA in all NAIA schools. And there's only and this last year, all thirteen this last year, all thirteen teams had three or better. They had they had a, a department cum, a cumulative GPA of 3.30. You know, and you're talking engineers and science, and you know, you're talking stuff that's out of my out of my realm. Yeah. But <clears throat> I think what's you know what, what's really amazing when you're looking at those guys is that they've not only done it, but they've done it consistently. And this last year, when I saw when I got this information, when I looked, I think there were only seven four-year colleges and universities in the United States. That's NCAA 1, NCAA 2, NCAA 3, and NAIA. There were only like seven or eight schools where every one of their athletic teams had 3.0s or better. I mean, to me, that's the most phenomenal thing about It's just they just bring in good kids. Smart ones. (laughs) Yep. Well, Steve, we've eclipsed the hour mark. Wow. But that was fun. That, 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 was, that, that was a lot of fun. That was fun. Went a ton of different directions. Learned, I learned a lot. Hopefully it'll be a nice trip down <clears throat> memory lane for some of the people here. We, we're hoping that, and I think, you know, and, and, and there's several athletes to still think about talking about. And, um, yeah, we, we have a huge list. And we haven't even we'll talked to some of the coaches. Haven't even talked to some of the coaches. some legendary coaches in this community besides Danny over besides Danny Miles, so – um, yeah, it's it's good, and we'll make it work. All righty. Well, Steve, 
four down. Back at it again next Back week. Back again next week. All right. Hey, thanks, Steve. Thanks again for everyone for tuning in to this week's pod. We are now officially, officially on iTunes, Google Play as well, SoundCloud. So if you search for H&N Sports Podcast, it will show up. I've done it. It works. So there's there's no reason not to subscribe. Um, subscribing best way to ensure that you get the each week's episode as soon as they're published. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Herald News Sports Podcast. Thanks again, everyone, for listening.